You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in store, on social media, and beyond. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash crimes, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash crimes to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash crimes. Good morning, and thanks for joining me for Rise and Crime, your morning caffeine hit all about crime. I'm Mama Jules, and let's start in Colorado, where last week a preliminary hearing revealed some details in the case against an Aurora dentist who has been charged with first-degree murder of his wife. 45-year-old dentist James Craig and his wife, 43-year-old Angela Craig, have what seemed to be a pretty typical Christian love story. They met while James was getting his undergrad at Brigham Young University, and they married early. And while James was working his way through dental school at the University of Missouri, Kansas City, the two began to add children to their family. Eventually, James and Angela had a total of six children. And this craziness and chaos of six kids, that was nothing new for Angela. She came from a family of 10 kids. And her son even said, when talking about his mother, that she loved lots of things, but that she didn't have time for them all because because she had six children instead. Well, things weren't moving along swimmingly for the couple, despite the vacation pics and family photos that pepper the shared Facebook account. And I did say shared Facebook account because I know a lot of people think that's a huge red flag when a man and a woman share a Facebook account. You can have your opinion, whatever. I just wanted you to know they have a shared account. Okay. According to Angela's sister, James had cheated on Angela multiple times in their marriage, and James was also struggling financially. This was despite the shiny facade of Summerbrook Dental Group in Aurora, and James had also filed for bankruptcy in 2020. And it was at that time that his dental school friend named Ryan stepped in and he bought a portion of the practice. And how he did this is he kind of bailed. James out. He actually didn't work as a dentist at Summerbrook, but he was adding it to a group of practices that he owned. So he stepped in and was trying to help his friend Ryan. Now, despite trying to turn around James' financial woes, Ryan said in the arrest affidavit that James was on the verge of filing bankruptcy again. 
Well, on March 6th of this year, an office manager whose name has been redacted from the legal documents said she was working late at Summerbrook when, surprisingly, James returned to the office after it was closed. She said she saw James using the exam room computer with the lights off, which just seemed odd to her because he had his own desktop computer in his office, and he also frequently brought a laptop to and from the office. Well, after about 30 minutes, James left the office, and then he texted the office manager saying that he would be receiving a personal package, and he asked her not to open it. Well, that personal package arrived seven days later, and another employee opened the package. Inside, they found potassium cyanide, and it was written on a canister with like the, the danger poison symbol on the canister, so they were very alarmed. And then they realized this was the package they weren't supposed to open, so the two sealed the package back up and left it for James. Well, all of this became very concerning for the office staff since Angela had been sick in recent weeks. In fact, on the same day that James was sneaking around the office after hours buying cyanide on the exam room computer, his wife was visiting the ER at Parker Adventist Hospital. She had been feeling dizzy and weak. Well, Angela was released that same day of that ER visit but she returned just a few days later on March 9th with the same symptoms. And hospital staff admitted Angela into the hospital on that visit, and then she was released a few days later. And basically, doctors are a little baffled. They run a ton of tests. There's a whole bunch of text messages between Ryan and a family friend that explain all the tests that have been run, and they're just not finding anything. Well, then, she was home just one day and then returned to the hospital again. And it was on this visit where James' story about Angela's illnesses starts to fall apart and where police start to piece it together. While Angela was unresponsive in the ER, James took a phone call from another doctor. Now, his business partner, Ryan, he had showed up at the hospital with his wife, and he took this opportunity where James was distracted to alert the attending physician to his worries about Angela being poisoned. See, the office staff, they had told Ryan about the mysterious package that had been errantly opened. And Ryan put two and two together. Mysterious illness that doctors can't pinpoint, shady behavior by James. And the office staff, well, they were also doing the math, and they knew the relationship between James and Angela was not good. James had even mentioned that he was wanting to divorce Angela. Well, as officers are becoming involved in the potential poisoning, Angela is crashing in the ER and she's admitted to the ICU where she is placed on a ventilator. The attending physician that Ryan had told about the potential poisoning, well, he confronts James and James denies the story about the potassium cyanide. James then immediately calls Ryan, who has walked out to his car, intending to leave the hospital. Okay, in this conversation... James initially denies that he purchased the poison. He's saying the surprise package contained a ring for Angela. Eventually, he changes his story, and he tells Ryan that Angela actually dared him to order the poison and that she wanted to harm herself. He told Ryan he ordered it because he was playing sort of a game of chicken with Angela. Okay, the next day, as police get involved while Angela is near death in the ICU... 
James sends a lengthy text to Ryan, begging him to remain quiet about the cyanide and reassuring him that he has no requirement to talk with police. And police, well, they're not wasting any time. They are serving search warrants for James and Angela's home, where they eventually seize both of their phones and computers, and then also multiple protein powders and two bags of white powder that were not labeled. Right, and then things take a turn for the worse. After three days in the ICU, Angela is declared brain dead, and she's removed from life support. Shortly thereafter, Aurora police arrest James on suspicion of murder. And the police, they find treasures on the devices seized during the search warrants. Police found searches on the laptop that included how many grams of pure arsenic will kill a human? And also one that read, is arsenic detectable in an autopsy? And James had also made a new email address in which he used that email address to purchase the arsenic. He had also viewed a YouTube video titled, the top five undetectable poisons that show no signs of foul play. And then he viewed another one titled, The 10 Deadliest Plants That Can Kill You. Now the searches of the devices also revealed that James was in a sexual relationship with an orthodontist out of Austin, Texas. And the messages between James and Karen Kane show travel plans that included Karen visiting Aurora during Angela's initial hospitalization in early March. All right, now for her part, Karen told Good Morning America that her and James had met at a dental conference and that he said he was in the midst of a divorce. Now, upon further interviews, the police say Angela's sister told them that this wasn't the first time James had poisoned Angela. Her sister claimed he had poisoned her five years earlier. And the sister also told investigators that James had previously had numerous affairs and that Angela had tried to leave the marriage more than once but that James would always convince her to stay. Well, James is being held on a $10 million cash bond and has yet to make that bond. And his next arraignment is scheduled for August 29th. According to Angela's obituary, she was remembered as an intelligent and energetic woman who used her gifts to elevate those around her, especially her children. It also noted that she had a large capacity to forgive and was willing to help both friends and strangers. Okay, as we wrap up this story, I couldn't help but think of the six kids. Two are adults, and I can only guess that they are helping in raising the younger siblings. And I'm struck by how many victims are left stranded when a case like this happens. I'll make sure I follow this case out of Aurora, and I'll keep you updated. All right, moving on to our next case. And you know how you have those crime cases that just haunt you, the ones that you remember all the details and you feel hollow because justice was never really reached. So for a lot of people, I think John Monet Ramsey falls in this category. Or for others, maybe it's Kaylee Anthony. But most recently, I've ached for the family of Mallory Beach. And if that name doesn't sound familiar to you, it's because a family loaded with incredibly arrogant men with the last name Murdoch have taken all of the attention. So a few weeks back, I brought you an update to the Murdoch murders. And those murders include a dead housekeeper, a dead son and a mother, and a dead high school friend, and also the death of Mallory Beach. And I can't cover the whole story again here. But let's specifically talk about Mallory's death. On February 24th, 2019, 
The beautiful 19-year-old set out to enjoy a night with her boyfriend and four other friends. And unfortunately, one of those friends included Paul Murdoch. See, the six friends, they were going to travel by boat to an oyster roast. And after enjoying the party and several alcoholic beverages, the six attempted to return by boat to Paul's grandfather's Chichesi River homestead. Now, during the return trip, Paul insisted upon stopping at a bar in Beaufort. And Paul, using his oldest brother's ID, drank several shots with one of the passengers before returning to pilot the boat the rest of the way up the river. And it's during this stop at the Beaufort Bar that the last haunting pictures of a smiling and seemingly smitten Mallory were captured on security cameras at the dock. Now, when Paul began driving erratically, some of the friends asked him to allow someone else to drive, but he refused. And at 10.20 in the morning, the boat slammed into a piling at the Archer's Creek Bridge. The impact flung Mallory from the boat, and her body was not recovered from the chilly waters until eight days later. Now, immediately following the accident, Paul's father, Alex, showed up at the hospital to do damage control. He was trying to speak to the passengers of the boat before law enforcement could. And Alec even tried to get one of Paul's friends to claim he was driving the boat because an obviously inebriated Paul had a blood alcohol content of 0.24. That's three times the legal limit. Now, Paul was eventually charged with three felony counts for boating under the influence causing death, and he was released on bond. And before he could face his day in court, Paul and his mother were murdered, and his father, Alec, was found guilty of those murders earlier this year. All right, now let's get back to Mallory. Her family has only civil opportunities now to arrive at some form of justice for their daughter, who was taken far too soon. And just last week, her family reached a $15 million settlement with Parker's Convenience Store that sold alcohol to Paul. Now, the settlement discussion was not intended to be disclosed. That was at least according to the attorney for Parker's Convenience Store. But the Beach family attorney, Mark Tinsley, he told Fox News that it wasn't about the money. He said the settlement needs to be discussed publicly so that the other stores, like Parker's, understand that if you sell alcohol illegally, you will be held accountable. Now, the Parker's Convenience Store attorney feels the outsized publicity on the Murdoch family and this case being tethered to convicted murderer Alec Murdoch all but ensured Parker's would not receive a fair trial. But this is just one step in the justice process for Mallory. Last January, the Murdoch estate settled a civil lawsuit with the Beach family. And according to People Magazine, attorney Mark Tinsley feels the once powerful Murdoch name has caused many victims, not just Mallory Beach, to be overlooked. Now, the family attorney said that on the day of Mallory's funeral, families stood in the receiving line for over four hours to accommodate all those who came to show their respects. He also said the following about Mallory. These are his words. What I have learned about her is that she was unquestionably a people person, and people loved her. She was very bright and a vibrant person. She had a strong belief in her faith, and she was active in her church, and she loved adopted families. Now, I know money doesn't bring Mallory back, but I hope those who loved her can feel some peace knowing that at least one court of law held people responsible for her unnecessary death. All right, 
Let's bring you a quick update to the case out of Kenya, where just a week ago, 12 more bodies were exhumed in the massive discovery of dead congregants in a doomsday cult. The number dead now tops over 400. Okay, we've got to go back to 2003 for the beginning of this story, where Pastor Paul McKenzie and his wife Joyce founded the Good News International Church. Now, the church slowly grew, mostly by McKenzie promising his congregation that he could speak directly with God. But the real boost to this cult, well, it happened back in 2016, when one of McKenzie's followers sold all of his property in Lemu and gifted all of that money to the church, which meant the money actually went to McKenzie. In turn, McKenzie used the money to buy two tracts of land in Melindi and Mombasa, as well as two cars. He also funded a TV station, which allowed McKenzie to reach a broader audience. And the desire for Hollywood-type production continued when McKenzie wrote and performed a song for his congregation titled The Antichrist. Now, the lyrics of that song, they claim that the Catholic Church, the United States, and the UN are agents of Satan. And this song even has a music video that can be found on YouTube and Facebook. And I watched it. It's not winning any Grammys, but nevertheless, it seemed to speak to his followers. Now, when his wealthy church member donated the roughly equivalent of 141,000 U.S. dollars to the church, FOMO seemed to set in, and more members followed suit, selling their properties and giving the money to the church with the promise that they would meet Jesus. Well, the glory slowly began fading when in 2018, the Kenya Film Classification Board ordered the immediate closure of that TV station. See, Mackenzie and his wife, they'd already been arraigned in court on charges of religious radicalization and also promoting extreme belief systems. Mackenzie was being accused of keeping or imprisoning sick people at his compound, and outside interests were becoming concerned. So by 2019, Mackenzie's church and unregistered school were now being scrutinized, and he was definitely feeling the heat. So of course, when running a cult, How do you fix all your problems? Well, you demand that your followers sell everything they own and give the money to God, or in this case, give the money to Mackenzie. And then he also asked them to starve themselves to death to expedite the meeting of God. Okay, at some point after 2019, the church went dormant, at least according to Mackenzie, but hundreds continued to live on the land. And then a few months ago, authorities started discovering the bodies. And it is worth noting, as his cult followers were starving themselves, Mackenzie and his family, well, they were living in a gated community and they continued to eat normally. All right, in March of 2023, Mackenzie denied ordering his followers to starve. And authorities have been holding Mackenzie and 36 other suspects in police custody since mid-April. But oddly, none of them have yet to be charged with the deaths. Now, 30 of the suspects being held, they did participate in a hunger strike until prosecutors threatened them with charges for intentionally trying to end their lives, and then they began eating again. Now, according to a Reuters interview with Stefan Moiti, and I hope I pronounced his name right, 
um, his wife and six children, they join the cult and they're possibly among the dead because they're listed as missing right now. Well, this gentleman, he said Mackenzie had told them to starve themselves ahead of the world ending, which was supposed to happen on April 15th, 2023. He also said Mackenzie promised he would be the last one to die and that he would lock the doors when that was about to happen. Now, there is some good news when it comes to the rising death toll. 95 people have been rescued from the compound. But here's the bad news. If 403 are confirmed dead and 95 have been rescued, that brings the total to 498. But 613 people who apparently had ties to the cult have been reported missing. So simple math leads one to believe the death toll will continue to rise. And it's important to understand that this compound, well, it's located on heavy forested land. So discovery of the burial sites has been difficult. Now, former members of the cult who were able to escape alleged that Mackenzie compelled congregants to fast as part of the church's teaching. And Mackenzie's sermons, which the BBC says were still available online, even though Mackenzie claimed he had closed the church, well, those sermons often dealt with apocalyptic themes. And a banner on the church's website reads, We are about to win the battle. Let no one turn back. The journey is about to be accomplished. Well, the BBC, they scoured those videos online and they report that fasting was never demanded, but it was preached that followers should make sacrifices for the church, including the sacrifice of their own lives. Now, this isn't the first time Mackenzie has been in trouble with authorities. He was previously arrested for connections to the disappearance of several children, but he was released on bond in that case. Now, the Kenyan president, William Ruto, he told the country's media that he and the government had failed in preventing the deaths of the cult members. He said the following, I am taking responsibility. This should not have happened. And certainly, some people who are responsible for this failure on the part of the government will have to give an account because it should not have happened when we have all the agencies. Now, obviously, I'm concerned about the potential of the rising death toll. And I have looming questions that are not answered, like... How did this dying span several years without any intervention? And I'm also concerned about the lack of charges in this case. So I'll be watching and I'll keep you updated. All right, that's your Monday edition of Rise and Crime. Uh, make sure you give me a follow on YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok. And if you're loving the content, I'd love a five-star review. Thanks for joining me. Keep safe out there. I'm Mama Jules.